Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our first post-game show of the 2018 season as our Bears lost to the Baltimore Ravens in the Hall of Fame game, 17-16, to in a game that I'll summarize up in one word. I talked about it at halftime on the Periscope on Twitter, sloppy. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and today I am joined by both of my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. We were in attendance last night, drove an hour back to our hotel, and pretty much crashed instantly as soon as we got back from the long day traveling to Canton, and of course, the long evening of watching preseason football. So we are recording this the morning after. First time ever recording a post-game show the day after a game, which... Not going to lie, feels a little weird, but we're here to give you our breakdown like we always promise to do so. So we're going to begin this post-game show like we do every post-game show, and that's going to be with my monster moment. And my monster moment for the very first uh, you know, game of the 2018 season is going to be uh, that final drive by the Bears, well, second to final drive, the 12-play, 92-yard drive when they were down by seven. Tyler Bray led the troops down 92 yards for a score to put the Bears in contention to perhaps win the game. Now, obviously, they failed the two-point conversion, which I believe everyone listening, and I know Brandon and Nick feel the same way, uh, were thankful that the game was decided one way or the other. Um, But regardless, uh, my favorite play out of all that when it was fourth down and six at the Baltimore 20-yard line, and Tyler Bray found Javon Wims for 10 yards to get the first down, that came after what we thought was a Tanner Gentry touchdown. And then that followed up with an actual Tanner Gentry touchdown. And of course, like I just mentioned, the Bears did fail the two-point conversion attempt but for the Bears to do a little bit of you know hurry up offense two minute drill march all the way down the field to at least put themselves in a spot to win even though it's the third stringers to me is still a monster moment and I'm going to hand it over to Brandon now for his stat of the game yes my stat of the game is going to consist of a couple things uh really just statistically the Bears won a lot of categories they won the first downs they had 19 first downs compared to the Ravens 15 uh, the total yards, the Bears had 276 total yards, the Ravens 194. And then lastly, they also uh, won the, the passing battle. They had 211 passing yards, the Ravens 81 passing yards. 
Uh, but as we can see, all that kind of goes by the wayside when you can't execute or you have too many turnovers uh, in certain areas of the field because the Ravens spent a lot of time on the wrong side of the 50, uh, which allowed them to get the, the 17 points a lot quicker, and the Bears uh, were forced to come back at that point, which is why the statistics you know, are sort of the way that they are. Uh, but just want to want to throw it out that they statistically won a lot of the categories. Just uh, failure to execute and turnovers uh, really hurt the team throughout this game. Exactly, and again, it's going to be preseason, so it goes back to my first word, sloppy. However, if that's a trend that continues throughout the season, even though the Bears are outperforming teams in multiple categories, if they're going to shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers, miscommunications, and those sorts of things, of course, they're going to still find themselves on the wrong side of the scoreboard. But Nick, I'm going to hand it over to you. How are you going to start 2018, with a knack or a knack, or perhaps you're just going to double up and do both? You know what? Actually, I'm going to start off with a knock. It's not specifically on the Bears. It's just um, with what we're going to see throughout the 2018 season. That's the helmet rule. We saw it uh, penalized four times last night. And just the way that it was being called, you saw these plays and you're wondering, what, what's wrong with this? How? Why is this a penalty? Um, big play that comes to mind, I think it was number 46 of the Bears um, in the end zone, hits the guy right in the chest. And it looks like it's all shoulder. It looks like a clean hit gets penalized for that and even when the Ravens were penalized for it I was wondering hey obviously it's going in the Bears favor but that's not a penalty these safeties are going to have a really hard time adjusting to this new rule and it's going to obviously every defensive player is going to have to adjust to it but again this is a rule that's going to take a lot of time it's going to take a lot of time just to get used to these players to have to maybe just slow things down because again it's going to cost them 15 yards possibly being suspended for a game if they keep on continuing to do it. But the knock is just on the rule itself right now. Obviously, it was the first game of the season, but we'll see how it offici- the officiating goes for it throughout the season. Yeah, no doubt. It's really going to be Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Interesting how that's going to transpire. Again, it's game one. Uh, we talked about it, I think, beforehand leading into the game, probably on uh, Periscope, how we had a feeling that the referees are going to try to set the tone, calling this more often than not, uh, making sure that they can kind of get it in the players' heads and I mean, it's in our heads right now. It's the day after, and it's one of the first things on our minds, how this new helmet rule is really going to change the game and how it's going to affect our players' attack, especially on defense. But, guys, that's it for our opening segment, and we need to go into our next one, which is, of course, handing out our most viable bears around the horn. And I'm going to begin with Javon Wims. He had the seven receptions for 89 yards on 10 targets, so he caught 70% of the balls that went his way. Um, but it's not really just that, right? You see the yards. He led the team in receptions. He led the team in receiving yards. He led the team in targets. But what I really like, I'm going to go back to my monster moment here about that drive that the Bears went 92 yards to go ahead and put themselves in a spot to win it. Wims had three big catches on that drive, two on third down and one on fourth down to extend this drive and, of course, 
which ended in a touchdown. You look at the third and three at the Chicago 15. Wims had an 11-yard pickup. You're looking at a third and five at the Chicago 46. He got a reception for 16 yards. And then at the tail end of the drive, it was fourth down and six at the Baltimore 20. I already talked about this. Bray had a pass over the middle of the field to Javon Wims. He picked up 10 yards, and, of course, the following play was a touchdown. So not only did Javon Wims lead the receivers across the board in all statistical categories, he was able to come and clutch three different times on that final scoring drive for the Bears. And for that reason, he's going to be my most valuable Bear. Brandon, I'm going to hand it over to you here. Who's your MVB? I've got a couple MVBs I want to hand out. Uh, Both the second string safeties for the Bears, DeAndre Houston Carson and Deion Bush, I thought they played very solid uh, as a unit. Uh, Combined, they had seven total tackles, and uh, DHC had the one interception off the tip pass that hit Michael Joseph in the hands. Uh, Well, it hit Rashad Perriman in the hands first, then Michael Joseph in the hands. DeAndre Houston Carson is there to scoop it up. Uh, for the interception. I thought as a unit, I don't feel so bad if either of those guys have to step in if Adrian Amos or Eddie Jackson aren't able to play. I thought both of them played really solid. Deion Bush was really putting some big hits out there on the receivers. Legal hits. Uh want to throw that one out there as well. Uh, I thought those two just overall, very, very solid game. I don't feel... I, I really see the improvement from uh, what Vic Fangio was saying in OTAs out of Deion Bush, and that's that's a positive sign for me. Brandon, breaking all the rules. Ask for a stat of the game, you give me stats. Ask for MVB, you give me multiple MVBs. <laughs> so Brandon's breaking all the rules today. It's all right. It's preseason. I will allow it. But, Nick, over to you, MVB. I'll give you one, and it's going to start. I'm going to go with uh, Kylie Fitz. I thought, you know, just looking at him, he just looks apart out there. Looked fast, was able to drop well in coverage, able to get to the quarterback, uh, you know, one time with the one sack, had four total tackles, but he looked good out there. You know, first preseason action, um, was able – he had that – quick get off off the line of scrimmage that's what we want to see especially with not a lot of depth at outside linebacker and anytime Kylie Fitz made a play Leonard Floyd was there to you know congratulate him and I know we talked about that last night in the periscope but it's great to see but Kylie Fitz like what I saw in his first game action and want to continue to see that throughout the preseason all right so yeah there we go defenders for both Brandon and Nick and I went with Javon Wims for my MVB so that does it for the first quarter of our post-game show. We're going to enter the second quarter of our show now, which is going to be an offensive breakdown. And Brandon already kind of hit on the stats. Uh, the Bears had 276 total yards of offense. Even though they're sloppy, they did find a ways to move the ball. And the offensive line was a makeshift version of itself, of course. That's what you're going to see here in the first game. I think if they would have been able to play a little bit better overall, we would have seen even uh, better numbers from the Bears. But it was still a very conservative attack you didn't see a lot from them which again you don't want to show all your cards here with the extra preseason game at that but guys uh before we go into the position by position breakdowns any just general thoughts about the offense that you want to let our listeners know and nick i'm gonna go to you first um like you said it was very conservative but again i thought it would be a little bit more smooth even though this is uh matt Nagy's first game as head coach um he still has you know chase daniel out there running the offense i thought it could have been a little bit more efficient a little bit smoother but this is the first game of the nfl season so what can you expect i just expect a little bit more nick's here wanting a little bit more in the preseason that's okay that's okay b over to you any big takeaways from the offense yeah Nagy was saying uh last night in the press conference we were listening to, listening to it in the car on the way back to the hotel room uh the baltimore threw a lot of stuff at the offense and that's good for them because they're going to be able to learn uh, from their mistakes and capitalize on it in the future. So that's something that I think that's uh, especially big with the extra week, uh, something that defenses, you know, you may not have, uh, I don't want to say looked at. I would hope that he did a little bit uh, a little bit of a scouting report anyway for this offense. 
or for the Ravens defense to give to the offense. Uh, but I think that overall it's just a big learning experience. I mean, Nick made a good point that Chase Daniel does know this offense, but when you're getting thrown different looks, you know, it kind of kind of messes with your psyche a little bit. And let's talk about these quarterbacks first. And let's look at Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray here. Of course, those were two quarterbacks that played. Uh, Tyler Bray had the better day of the two. He finished 18 of 34 for 181 yards. He had one touchdown. He didn't throw a pick. He was sacked twice, rating of 78.2. And then Daniel, only completing 50% of his passes, 8 of 16, only 53 yards, averaging only 3.3 yards per throw, one touchdown, two interceptions. And he was, of course, sacked twice as well for a pass rating of 38.8. So Chase Daniel, let's begin with him because he's someone who – he came in, uh, he was a self-proclaimed astute quarterback, very smart, understands his offense. It shouldn't be any learning curve whatsoever for him, but yet he came in there and seemed a little, I wouldn't say lost, but it seemed like he wasn't able to get kind of any flow going with his guys out there. And these are guys that I know he's been practicing with different units throughout training camp. But a lot of the guys out there were people that he wa- was practicing with all camp long, and I figured there would be a little bit more chemistry than we saw last night. Brandon, do you agree, or is this what you came to expect from Chase Daniel? I just want to say that I think knowing the offense and executing the offense are going to be two different uh, things that you have to be able to look at because Chase Daniel doesn't have a whole lot of game experience. Uh, I think we brought up the stat last night. He's thrown like 24 preseason touchdowns, uh, but you don't hardly ever see him in the regular season because he's – been playing behind Drew Brees and other quarterbacks of that nature so therefore he's not going to get a lot of playing time against the one so executing the offense and knowing the offense I think are two different uh, aspects that you have to consider here but I think early in the game they say you know football games are decided by one or two plays I think early on one of those plays was the drop pass to Benny Fowler in the end zone I think if he makes that catch Chase Daniels got a lot more confidence Benny Fowler's got a lot more confidence the chemistry starts to build a lot quicker things kind of look up I think I don't think that the Bears would have taken taking that for granted they would have had that touchdown I don't think they would have looked back just the way that things would have flowed because uh, then Chase Daniel was kind of just visibly frustrated throughout more and more of the game uh, after that second interception he took his helmet off before he even reached the sideline you could just tell by the look on his face he was not happy so it I think it really comes down to that, that one of the one of those first plays of the game where Benny Fowler drops that pass in the in the end zone as he catches that I think it's a whole different game for Chase Daniel and the offense what about you Nick I want to know your thoughts here on Daniel because you know, at camp, we've seen him struggle. We've seen him struggling here. I know it's only week one of the preseason. Again, the extra week at that. But how worried are you about the depth behind Trubisky? Um, I wouldn't say I'm too worried. And again, this was the first preseason game. I think Daniel just expects more out of himself. He's, you know, this is his time to shine. It's the preseason where he's done really well. That's why he's been in the league, what, nine, ten years now, because of what he's been able to do in the preseason. Um, but we we have seen him struggle in practice, but we've seen him be really good in practice. You know, taking those deep shots and in practice, and you know, getting the ball to his guys. Um, again, uh, it didn't work out for him tonight. He had two interceptions. Uh, like Brandon was saying, just didn't look like he was in the flow of things. But Chase Daniel, a guy that I'm sure will rebound another week of practice, probably an actual game plan because I don't know if they really do too much game plan for the Hall of Fame game. You don't want to show your cards too much, but I wouldn't say I'm too worried yet. It's it's one one game of football. He played a half, so he didn't even get to play the entire game or anything like that. But he has to make more of his opportunities moving forward for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to go right back to you, Nick. Tyler Bray, what's your biggest takeaway? Uh, Tyler Bray, again, not much better. He was uh, he had the better stats of the day, but these quarterbacks overall for the Bears didn't really impress me. Again, these guys should have been more 
fluid in their decision making. It seemed like they held onto the ball a little bit long, but yeah, Tyler Bray, not much on him. Um, again, I expected more from the quarterbacks in this game. All right. Yeah. Tyler Bray, you know, when you saw him out there, I think my biggest takeaway is that he had a little bit more zip on the ball than I saw throughout practices. So maybe he's out there in a game situation. And he's playing with a little bit more urgency. Other than that, yeah, hard to take away, especially from our vantage point in the stands. Of course, like, you know, we're watching all the different positions. And for me personally, when Tyler Bray's out there, he's not really high on my list of priority players. You know, I'm paying attention more like how Javon Wims is looking, maybe Ryan All when he's out there as well. But B, before we get into those positions, any final takeaways from the quarterback, Bray, Daniel, quarterbacks in hole? Yeah, I want to add that uh, Tyler Bray was the one that led the 92-yard drive uh, to get the Bears within striking distance of a tie. Uh, glad they went for two as well. Uh, but I think that that speaks a lot to him uh, as far as being able to lead an offense that far uh, late in the game situation like that. I mean, obviously, we hope that we don't have to see that from him in the regular season. Uh, but the fact that he can do it and was able to execute on it, I think, is going to speak a lot. All right, that wraps up quarterbacks. Let's take a brief look at the running backs because we didn't really get much of a sample size whatsoever. The Bears only ran the ball 19 times, 18 if you take away. Uh, they're giving Tyler Bray a, a run. For zero yards, so we're just going to avoid that one whatsoever. But yeah, you have Benny Cunningham. He led the team with six carries, 37 yards, 30 of which came on one big run early on in the game. Taquan Mazel, he was out there for a short stint, five carries, 15 yards. And then Ryan All, he had uh, the most carries of the day. He had seven, but was only able to pick up 13 yards. It's an average of only 1.9 yards per carry. Again, I kind of foreshadowed this earlier. The offense line struggling, not only in pass protection, but also generating much, you know, Running lanes, many running lanes throughout uh, the game kind of led to not having much sample size here. And, of course, the Bears were playing from behind in the second half, so they kind of aired it out more. That's why you see Bray having 34 attempts compared to Chase Daniels' 16. But, B, I'm going to go to you. Any takeaways from the Bears running backs that we should have have our listeners know about? Yes, yeah, so looking at the running backs, I mean, Benny Cunningham, there was one run that he had uh, early in the game where Nick and I both kind of looked at each other like he had a big hole there in the middle and he ended up bouncing it outside. So that's something that's kind of worried me. He's a guy that kind of worries me through camp as far as his performance. He hasn't quite lived up to what I thought he would be, or at least what he looked like last year. Uh, but he was a captain, so that kind of that kind of speaks to where I think he stands on the team. Uh, Ryan Ryan Nall just I don't know. There's there's a lot of hope and optimism around him. I think, uh, but I just I just didn't see a lot. He's a power back, but you just don't don't see the kind of production that you need out of his type of player I guess but he also didn't have many, much of much, many opportunities to capitalize on that because by the time he got in there the Bears were trailing they had to be able to get down the field so really as a whole not much to take away yeah Ryan all I think every time he grabbed the ball and he was running up the middle he just got swallowed up real quick I mean again less than two yards per carry uh Nick anything you want to add here on Bears running backs uh, the only thing here is that um, obviously the Bears running backs didn't do very much in this game, but a guy that you know you would like to see something from is Taquan Mazel, not even in the running game, but in the passing game, because that's where that's the only way I think he makes his team is if the Bears see him as a viable option out of the backfield just to, for a passing option. He didn't have any receptions. I don't even know if he had any targets in this game. So um, you want to see that maybe in the second preseason or throughout the preseason. Are the Bears going to throw it to him? And that's the only way I think Mizell would make this roster. Yeah, again, very quiet day for the running backs. Switching over to wide receiver, I've already talked uh, pretty much in length on Javon Wims and what kind of day he had and why he was my MVB. Clutch catches, contested catches at that. Someone who had really strong hands, really sticky fingers, able to go up there and grab the ball 70% of his receptions. I mean, 70% of his, he caught 70% of 
his targets last night. DeMarcus Ayers is right behind him, five catches, uh, 46 yards. Um, but Ayers, he also had a few different mistakes throughout the day. We're calling him Ayers Ayers, uh, if that comes across through my vocal cords. <laughs> I'm going to go over to uh, Nick first here. Any just big takeaways? We can lump in tight ends here as well. Just uh, in the passing game, anyone who stood out, didn't stick out, and that you're worried about, just wherever you want to take it. Uh, so we saw Josh Bellamy out there on that first drive where the Bears were driving there, and uh, I think it was a third down situation. He makes a good grab and is able to convert that uh, move to chain. So Josh Bellamy, again, showing he's showing up sometimes. And we see that, and we saw that in training camp, and you wonder why he's out there. But he has gotten a little bit better since, obviously, when he got to the Bears. And a guy that I've been vocal about who did not show up in the passing game or any aspect of this game last night uh, is Deion Sims. Um, You know, only played 16 snaps, but in those 16 snaps, he really didn't perform very well. Um, There were times where he's just, you know, shortening his arms, not extending out to grab a ball. And I think that's what led to one of the interceptions for Chase Daniel. Uh, Again, not blocking, but just Deion Sims in general. I don't know. In training camp, he looks slow as as a route runner. We saw that last night, and he only played 16 snaps. So it worries me that there's a lot of money invested in this guy, and you're going to have to put him in the game just because, what, are you going to leave that money on the bench? Well, Nagy might have to do that if he sees that he's not a viable option in this passing game. But we'll see if he you know, is able to impact any other preseason games, but he's playing in this game for a reason. Um, obviously, Trey Burton and these other guys are not playing because they have their spots solidified. Not saying that Deion Sims is going to get cut, but he obviously needs to show something to his coaching staff that he can perform in games. So, yeah, Deion Sims, only 16 snaps. You would think he would have a little bit more urgency, a little bit more fire you know, under his belt because he's someone who he needs to prove himself to this offense. He's someone that Coach Nagy has been vocal about saying, like, yeah, we can find a role for him. And then he goes out there yesterday, doesn't execute in a lot of areas of his game, and it really makes you wonder – whether or not he can actually have a role in this game. And, Brandon, I want to go to you because another tight end kind of maybe slightly disappointed me, Adam Sheen, only had the one target. Uh, he only played like 11 plays, uh, 11 snaps throughout the game. And I know I was in a big sample size, but he was out there for, again, like only 10 snaps. But I thought I would have seen a glimpse of Adam Shaheen. Are you surprised that he wasn't at least able to put you know, a catch out there? I know they target him once, but I'm surprised it only went to his way maybe once. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I'm surprised as well. There were a couple times in the red zone where I think we were all kind of anticipating it going to Adam Shaheen, but the one pass to Michael Burton was nice. It's a pass that we'd seen in camp uh, where he runs a little angle route, I guess, and then cuts back in wide open every time. Four-yard touchdown pass there to uh, Michael Burton, the fullback. Uh, you guys touched on Javon Wims. I hope that we see him bump up to the second strings uh, before the next preseason game. He's really impressed me. Uh, Tanner Gentry, uh, three targets, nine or nine targets, Three receptions, technically two of them for a touchdown, but only one for a touchdown. Uh, he was, I don't know, I don't want to skew his stat line by saying he was targeted nine times because a lot of, I feel like a lot of those were ones that were sailing out of bounds or the pass was short, especially later in the game when Tyler Bray was trying to bring us back down the field one more time. Uh, we've seen a couple passes to Tanner Gentry just fly into the, the sidelines. I don't know if that was intentionally to be thrown away. Didn't really look like it, but it could have been. Uh, And then I touched on Benny Fowler. He had uh, four targets, two receptions for 11 yards, but the two drops that he had, the one in the end zone and then he had one on the sideline, just very big noticeable drops for me because I thought Fowler was going to be a guy. I'm not saying he's going to get cut. There's still a lot of time left in the preseason. Uh, But it's really disappointed me uh, to see that because 
he just he was a guy that I thought could take Josh Bellamy's spot. But if Josh Bellamy's going to keep playing the way that he is, you know, I have no issue with him staying on the team uh, at the moment. Uh, but Benny Fowler is a guy who I thought, you know, would definitely be a lock to make the team. Uh, and after this game, it's looking real shaky for me. Yeah, let's just kind of take this big picture here because we know how the top of the order is going to be for the Bears wide receivers with Allen, uh, Gabriel, looks like Kevin White as well. He didn't have to suit up yesterday and play, so I think that kind of shows you uh, where Kevin White stands with this coaching staff. Someone tweeted back, because I tweeted that out, and I said, well, obviously he's going to make the roster. And yes, I think we all know he's going to make the roster with the amount of money that he's guaranteed, but there's a difference between making the roster and not having to go out there and play the first preseason game. It kind of shows like you've proven enough in camp that we don't need to risk you going out there. And of course, with Kevin White, um, of course, having him out there uh, is probably a good thing to have. You don't want to risk him being on the field any more than he has to be, especially if you do have a spot for him in his offense throughout the season. But yeah, looking at this big picture, Josh Bellamy or Benny Fowler, Nick, I want to go to you because... I know throughout the entire offseason, we all wanted you know Fowler to be that guy to uproot Bellamy, but throughout camp and even last night, it's really seeming like Joshua Bellamy, you know, he's a good special teamer, but he's also looking more and more like a wide receiver, and maybe this offense is one that can tailor to him if he needs to be out there to be at least uh, a reliable asset in the passing game. Maybe not the most reliable, but maybe even more so than Fowler, especially with that drop in the end zone last night. But uh, between the two, who do you think is leading? Oh, I have to definitely go with Bellamy, and we've seen it in training camp. He's running with the ones, and, you know, he's made a uh, couple catches last night, um, and he's gotten better. It's not like he's the same Bellamy from the very first year. Yeah, he's still dropping passes, but he's, he has gotten better with his route running. He is open. He just don't know if he's going to catch it every time. But Bellamy has gotten better. He's been repping with the ones, and like you said, he doesn't – you would hope he's not actually out there in game time, but he's an option. He knows, he's going to know the offense, know the right route to, to run in – specific time specific area for Trubisky to throw to but yeah I'll definitely have to give it to Bellamy right now because he's the one who's shown more and he's, again he's got more of those practice reps and more of that chemistry right now with Trubisky than Benny Fowler does and lastly in terms of the wide receivers tight ends in this group I just want to talk about Colin Thompson real quick he's someone in camp who has you know surprised some people including myself coming up with a really nice catch to see someone who is last year at Temple only had like three receptions for the entire season didn't really know how he's going to fit in this team had a pretty strong camp to start off, but then last night he only had uh, two catches on five targets, but I think those three balls that he didn't haul in were drops. Uh, so Colin Thompson, someone who has stood out in practice but came game time, uh, wasn't able to really perform like I thought he would with those drops. So again, tight end is going to be a very tight race, uh, but with Thompson uh, with performing like that last night, he's going to really have himself in a tough spot making this team. If that kind of continues throughout the preseason, he's definitely going to be on the outside Looking in, but guys, before we move on to the Bears' defense, any final thoughts on the offense that you haven't hit on yet? And B, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah, Rashad Coward and Jordan Morgan played 100% of the snaps on the offensive line last night, uh, and I think really Rashad Coward just needs time. Uh, there were times where he looked really, really good, like he could be a, a dependable swing tackle, and then there were times where he just didn't move his feet and he'd give up a sack. Uh, Jordan Morgan, kind of the same way. Uh, they both just need uh, time, and I think that's why they got 100% of the snaps. Uh, both definitely need to work on their run blocking because uh, we didn't see much out of the running game really at all last night. So that's something I'd like to see uh, the, the backup offensive lineman improve on is is run blocking. 
again, who knows exactly how much of their actual scheme in terms of running they were showing last night. They could have just, you know, picked a hole and went for it, uh, not trying to show all their combination blocks or different zone schemes as well. But, no, good call, Mr. Trent, just to make sure we didn't forget about the Bears' offensive line. Of course, it's a unit. In the preseason, regardless of the backups, the third strings that may have got overlooked, they got overlooked by me. I just glanced right over offensive line in my notes. So, Nick, any final thoughts on the offense? You could take this line. You can take a big picture wherever you want to go, man. Yeah, I'll go big picture, and I'm just curious to see how these quarterbacks rebound. And obviously, I think we'll see Trubisky in the second game against the Bengals on Thursday night. So, uh, want to see how you know Chase Daniel, Tyler Bray, uh, you know, another game. Are they going to make the most of their opportunities? And then when Trubisky gets in there. Hopefully we see this offense more fluid, able to, you know, have that 92-yard drive that Tyler Bray did, but, you know, ended with a touchdown. So, and maybe a win if it has to come to that. But, yeah, I'm curious to see how these quarterbacks play in the second preseason game against the Bengals. Awesome stuff, guys. So up next, we're going to go ahead and break down the Bears' defensive performance. Before we do, I want to ask you a quick favor. And that's if you love the show, you like what we do. I don't care if you found us two years ago, one year ago, a month ago, or a week ago, or if this is your first time. Just leave a review of our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out. You know, we're independent production. We're not backed by any, like, media entity. We do this all on our own. And every time we get a review, it does help us reach more fellow Bears fans. So please help us out if you can. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And, of course, every time we reach a 50 mark. So we're coming up to 250. We're just trying to find a way to do fun little giveaways to show our appreciation for you taking the time, listening, and, of course, reviewing our show. So definitely help us out with that if you can. But getting back to it, guys, let's talk about the Bears' defense here because they were a unit uh, right before kickoff. I was looking at both of you, and I said, the Bears' defense, I'm not worried about, especially the second strings, uh, second and third string. I know the defense has a lot of depth on it, a lot of people who've been within the system as well, people who can step in and play. And I think we saw that yesterday, especially early on with the Bears' secondary. Uh, you had Deion Bush making plays. DeAndre Houston Carson made a play with that interception as well. They did a great job on third down, only holding the Ravens a 4 of 16. They found ways to get off the field. I think they only allowed less than three yards per play for the entire night, which in a preseason game where you know there's a lot of pieces just kind of you know being plugged and chugged all over, uh, I think only allowing 2.9 yards per play is pretty damn good if you ask me. But, B, I'm going to go over to you. General thoughts about the defense before we get into player and position specifics yeah they held the the Ravens to 17 points which is enough for the offense to win a ball game uh, and that's just coming from second and third stringers and a lot of those guys I feel confident in if they were to play against ones I don't necessarily want all the second stringers to go in there and play against ones obviously uh, but this is a, a group that I overall felt very very strong about wasn't wasn't overly worried John Timu had a bad series in there but outside of that that was the only noticeable blunder uh from my notes that I had throughout the game. But overall, I thought this defense looked incredibly strong like we've seen throughout all of camp. Okay, so not only did they give up 17 points, the the first score that they gave up at the game was a, a decent drive, eight plays, 77 yards. But since that point, uh, the Bears, they gave up a field goal, but that was after an interception, which the Bears on that drive pushed – yeah, they – they pushed Baltimore back four yards. So they had negative four yards on that three-point drive. And then in the second half, they had a six-play, only 36-yard drive that ended in a touchdown as well, which came after a Bears fumble, which, again, this is something we saw last year. The Bears' offense having turnovers and the Bears' defense having to suffer as a result. Even though they're playing good, they don't have to give up a ton of yards to give up points. So, yes, the Bears gave up 17. 
I think really the Bears defense gave up seven and the Bears offense gave up 10. So again, the defense was strong all night long, really had the Baltimore offense in fits all night long. And speaking of fits, he had a pretty good game as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's hand it over to Nick for his thoughts about the Bears defense. Yeah, well, and you, you said it perfectly. Even though the Bears defense was put in bad situations throughout the game, they were able to make the most of it. Even you know whether giving up a field goal or whatever it was, uh, they still hunkered down. Was able to, like you said, push the Ravens' offense backwards at one point. So that's what we saw last season. That's what we've seen this second string, third string defense play well against the first unit in training camp against the Bears' offense. So uh, it was a unit, like you said, we weren't too worried about them. You want to see some guys make plays, and some did, and we'll definitely get into that. But thought they had a very good night overall. Oh, I'll add one more good thing that the Bears defense did as a unit uh, in terms of like one certain instance, and it was in the second quarter when the Bears drove all the way down to Baltimore's uh, 28, and uh, Ryan Nall was fourth and one. Uh, he didn't get it. He went back a yard, so Baltimore took over at the 29. Two plays later, the Bears come back with an interception. So it's something that, of course, the Bears' offense turning it over on downs, and the defense counters that with an interception. And how did the offense repay the defense? with a fumble after four plays. So, again, complimentary football is something we've been missing here in Chicago. We saw that yesterday. Um, but the Bears' defense, I just want to mention, after the Bears' offense fumbled, three plays later, the Ravens were forced into punt. So the Bears' defense came back out there, forced a three and out. So interception, Bears' fumble, came back with a three and out. So the Bears' defense really played well, given the, given the fact that they weren't put in many great situations throughout the night. Uh, so for me, again, the Bears' resiliency on defense, able to turn bad situations, maybe not entirely into good situations, but making the most of what they are given all night long, I think is my biggest general takeaway. But guys, let's look at some position-by-position position specifics here, and let's begin with the defensive line. And I think it's appropriate to begin with the position battle between Roy Robertson-Harris and John Bullard. Both were out there last night. Both are, of course, on full display as this is a... Honestly, probably the most pure roster battle we have right now on this team. Who's going to win that starting defensive end job opposite of Akeem Hicks? Of course, both are going to play vital roles in the defense regardless, but who's going to become the starter? Who stood out to you last night? And Nick, I'm going to go to you first about your thoughts between Roy Robertson-Harris, John Bullard. Both stood out for different reasons last night, but who had the better night? I'm definitely going to go with Jonathan Bullard. I think um, even though he didn't have too many plays, and you expect him to have more just being – if he's going to be the starting caliber uh, defensive end opposite of Akeem Hicks, he should be able to show more against these second-string, you know, offensive linemen or wh- whatever they are. Um, but Jonathan Bullard was able to, you know, get in the backfield a little bit more than I saw Roy Robinson Harrison. Honestly, Harris to me had a pretty quiet night. Um, didn't see any flashy plays from him, but I don't know if you guys saw it differently. But I'm definitely going with Jonathan Bullard uh, for the guy that stood out between them. I think I saw it slightly differently. There's one play where Boulder was in pursuit going to the sideline. I've mentioned this in years past. Uh, he's in pursuit, but I feel like he's jogging a little bit. I feel like I know he has a little bit more speed to him. He's known for his quick get off, but on top of that, he's not the slowest guy on the field when he's out there, but sometimes he looks like it. And that's a problem. And again, I, I'm not on the sideline. I don't know him personally, but when I'm watching him, there's his plays that I feel like he could have given a little bit more effort. And when you're trying to go out there and win a starting job, I want to see 110%. I don't want to see if that's your 100, fine, but give it a little bit more. He's like, he's not even like pursuing down. He's like his back straight up his not, then look like he was even going to be attacking. Uh, whoever the quarterback was at the time, either it be Griffin or Jackson, uh, was, of course, uh, running towards the sideline anyway, so you don't want to 
hit the guy, but at least, you know, force him out of bounds, maybe a yard or two sooner. But for me, uh, that's just one instance. And again, that was the only play I saw him doing that. But again, I just want to mention I did see it. Um, on the flip side, Roy Robson Harris, you mentioned you didn't say anything flashy. I'll agree with that. I think his sack, you know, came off a bull rush. Um, so you see his strength, which I think that's something with Robertson Harris that we want to see, though. We want to see he has his strength because he's long, he's athletic, he's quick. But if he can win with his strength, then that's just going to set him up for using power moves and, of course, finesse moves uh, throughout the season because if you're only a one-trick pony, offenses are going to cater to that. But now you're showing you can win in multiple ways. They're not going to know how really to defend you on any given down, which, of course, will benefit him and the Bears' defense as a whole. But other than that one play, I will admit it was a very quiet day overall for Robertson Harris. And B, I know Nick and I hit both sides, so you're the tiebreaker. What do you got? Well, you're not going to like my answer here. Uh, It's a position battle, uh, and it was a tight one at that because both guys had, well, combined they had three tackles, and all tackles were for a loss. Both of them had a sack. Uh, The difference is John Bullard had the extra tackle for a loss, so I guess that's who you give the edge to uh, in a tight position battle like that. I don't know. I mean, John Bullard, he he looked good to me. The the one play that you mentioned where he was kind of jogging, he was kind of out of it. I can understand, but you know, you'd like to see a little bit more effort, uh, especially because there's going to be guys playing behind him. They're going to give it everything that they have because they want to make the team. Uh, Bowler needs to put that same respect into it as well. But that, like you said, well, that was just one instance. Uh, so if I were to, if I'm going to break the tie, I'm going to say Bullard. But frankly, they're both on the same playing field right now. All right, so that's for the premier position battle. I'm looking one at the bottom of the roster in terms of defensive end as well. And that's going to be between Bilal Nichols and Nick Williams. Nick Williams, someone who throughout training camp has quietly impressed. You're not going to read any articles about him or hear him too much. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm sure you've heard his name a couple of times by now. And, of course, Bilal Nichols, our fifth-round pick out of Delaware. He's been very quiet in camp, but he did finish last night with four tackles, including one sack, which you know was a nice play to see because throughout camp he's had one play that stood up to me, which was a, a bad pass when he got up and was able to swat a ball down but here he actually comes away with a sack and again he's going up against third stringers but right now that's what he is as well so he's beating the competition that he's going up against but Nick Williams the guy like I mentioned he's quietly impressing he too had a sack he had three tackles on the day but he's someone who when he's out there I feel like he can be a very valuable backup in this league and on this Bears team he's someone who he has experience uh, throughout the NFL he's been around the league for a while and I feel like Vic Fangio is someone who can get the most out of a Nick Williams. So he's a smart player, uh, savvy, and I really think he can be a very sound backup behind Akeem Hicks or Roy Robinson-Harris. And, of course, John Bullard, which, again, puts Bilal Nichols in an interesting spot. I mean, I don't think I don't think you can put him on the practice squad as being a fifth-round pick. I mean, you could, but, I mean, that puts a lot of potential to lose a fifth-round pick, which, of course, is that would be detrimental for your draft class, honestly, especially if you believe he can develop into what's to come. But... We'll see how it all pans out between two those guys, between those two guys, guys. Nick Williams, Bilal Nichols. Did you like what you saw last night? Because I sure did. Yeah, and especially from Bilal Nichols, because I know he's going to get more opportunities. Because we've seen that before with the rookie classes that they do get playing time throughout the season. So Bilal Nichols is definitely going to be able to show more of what he's capable of. And he showed a little bit last night, which is you know encouraging for you know obviously pace in the Bears organization. But you want him to be that guy that can definitely step in, even if a, a Bullard, Akeem Hicks, just give them a little bit of a breather because we know that they didn't get enough of that last season. But Bilal Nichols, I liked what I saw from him. Um, again, that sack, um, get be able to get into the backfield just being 
in that opportunity to make that play itself is good for him um, getting this first NFL action. So Bilal Nichols, um, expect to see more from him. We're definitely going to throughout the preseason. But, you know, throughout the season, I would not be surprised because rookies have made it onto, you know, the actual game field throughout the regular season in years past. What about you, B? Anything else on this defensive line discussion that you want to add, either on Nichols, Williams, anyone else? Yeah, I like what what Nick what Nick Williams brings uh, to to the field itself. He brings a lot of passion, a lot of fire. After after the play, there were a couple times the offensive lineman still has his hands on him, pushing him around a little bit, and he's not taking it. I mean, he fires back, and that that's something that I think uh, he possesses that I didn't see much out of Blau Nichols. I mean, I wasn't paying as close attention to Nichols, uh, but when Nick Williams had that sack uh, right afterwards, the next play they're fighting in the trenches the whistle blows the offensive lineman Nick Williams are still kind of going at it jawing back and forth with each other that's something that I like that Nick Williams brings and I think that's going to be able to get him uh in the rotation probably not as much but I think it's a possibility that we could see him on the field a little bit during the regular season let's bounce this outside and let's talk about the outside linebackers because last night uh we had two on display six round pick Kylie Fitz and, of course, Isaiah Irving, last year's preseason standout, doing it again. I think Fitz took a little while to warm up. He was out there. He wasn't making any plays. But I think he was just kind of getting a feel for the game. And once the second half hit, he kind of started to take over, making you know impactful plays, getting into the backfield, putting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you know, Had us high-fiving a few times in the second half, which, of course, is good. And Fitz is someone who... I mean, we need everybody we can at the rotation outside linebackers. Still no Aaron Lynch. Uh, Leonard Floyd has never put together a full season as well. So every capable body in this rotation is vital for this season. But Fitz and Irving last night, I think both proved that they can be those guys, which, of course, coming into the season was a huge question mark at the position. Uh, B, I'm going to go to you first here between uh, Fitz and Irving. You don't have to say who had a better day. I mean, you could. I think both had really strong nights. But uh, what did you see from them, and how does it make you – how does that kind of affect your confidence at outside linebacker moving forward? Yeah, both had – had really good days, uh, in my opinion. One thing that I we were sitting there in the pregame talking about, oh, we got to go against RG3, Robert Griffin III, and Lamar Jackson, both guys who are known to have legs. How well can they contain? And we've seen it early. Uh, Kylie Fitz, he's out there in space uh, on a, you know, trying to contain RG3 on a, a RPO that Griffin kept, and he's just kind of out there on an island, and he didn't pursue him too hard that he was going to get beat, but he didn't give up any ground either. Uh, RG3, I think he might have picked up eight yards on that that scramble, but he didn't give up anything. He didn't give up the first down. You know, he didn't get burned on anything, so I thought that was a very solid sign of what what was things to come. And both those guys, Irving and Fitz, just did a very good job containing. They didn't get beat. Uh, Lamar Jackson had one where he kept the ball on an RPO, uh, and I think it was Irving that was in there and wrapped him up in the backfield right away. Real nice to see. Uh, so both guys had very strong outings. Irving, the one sack that he had just blew past the, the offensive tackle that was guarding him. I mean, he didn't even get a hand on him. I don't know what the offensive tackle was doing. He just didn't move his feet, which was really kind of funny because – I don't know, if like I've said throughout camp, if Irving can win the point of attack, he's going to go back there and get the sack. And there was one point where he did jump off sides. They flagged him for it, uh, but he was back there because he won the point of attack despite realizing, oh, crap, I'm past the line, got back, and then was able to go again and still get the sack. So I think that, that speaks to what he can do if he wins the point of attack. He needs to be able to continue to do it successfully, though. Yeah, again, outside linebacker, I believe, is a very interesting position, and it's one that last night – 
both guys showed up uh, in different ways as well. But, Nick, I want to know your take on these two. Uh, Irving, Fitz, um, yeah, just takeaways in general. Go for it. Yeah, so with Irving, it just seemed like he was more familiar with that defense. I know Vic Fangio said before last season he just didn't know exactly what he had to do. Even though it was only one preseason game, he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. Able to contain, just look bigger, just he looked like he can play that position well. And like you said, Brandon, he was able to contain. Um, I saw a spin move from him trying to utilize that to get to the quarterback. So Isaiah Irving, a guy that's you know taking that little step up from that uh, rookie season now, Vic Fangio season number two with the defense, so good for him. And then Fitz, too. I liked what I saw, not just from getting after the quarterback. I saw him drop back in coverage a couple times, and we know Vic Fangio likes to do that with his outside linebackers. Um, I think it was one of the halfbacks that went on a little wheel route. Kylie Fitz was right there. Covered him really well, and had that ball been thrown that way, Kylie Fitz would have been in a perfect position to either bat the ball away, interception, whatever it was. But he was in position, so I like that from him. Um, and again, just to get off that he's showing, um, and he just looks like he fits the position. He he passed the eye test for sure. Just looks like a big dude. So um, Kylie Fitz, I'm really excited to see what he can do throughout the preseason. And you know, with how thin the Bears are at outside linebacker. He's definitely going to get some playing time throughout the regular season. Just has to stay healthy. That's a big thing. You mentioned it. Fitz is a big dude. He's maybe he's probably not the fastest guy out there. I mean, okay, he isn't the fastest guy out there, but he's sneaky quick, and I think that's uh, a good thing because it's going to get overlooked in the game plan. And when that happens, you can be able to beat people uh, with your quickness, either being getting after the quarterback or, like you said, in his coverage because you're right. He did look pretty sound in coverage, and Vic Fangio uses those outside linebackers in coverage uh, more than maybe we would like, but, I mean, it's Vic Fangio. I trust him, so if that's what he wants to do, go for it, Vic. But let's look at the inside linebackers because – John Team is the one I'm kind of like eyeing in here because early on, uh, there's the one drive, Brandon, you mentioned it already, where uh, he didn't really perform up to the standard that we're used to seeing out of John Timu. He looked a little bit uh, slow in coverage, unable to keep up with this guy. And of course, with Timu, his lack of athleticism, his lack of you know speed, his agility, uh, his able, ability to move in space is always been his biggest knock because other than that, he's a pretty sound linebacker. He's smart. He's instinctive. He he does have a knack of making plays uh, on the ball and getting turnovers. We saw it years ago in preseason. That's why he's still sticking around on this Bears roster. Um, but I think it kind of showed that, you know, we still don't have Roquan Smith. Uh, that's a discussion for another podcast. Um, Danny Trevathan, he's working his way back. Obviously, you're not going to see him out there yesterday. Um, but I, on Monday, the last practice I was at, he was out there practicing a little bit. So, you know, he's trending in the right direction. But I want to know, what do you guys think about the depth at inside linebacker besides, of course, those two? And, of course, Nick Wolkowski, who didn't have to give it a go yesterday as well. But John Timu was out there. Anderson was out there. Uh, Josh Woods was out there as well. Wait, is Woods inside or out? That's what I thought. Well, when you get down to preseason, first game, you just have to make sure. I want to make sure I'm giving you the right information here. So, yeah, they're all out there. But uh, what's your thoughts about the depth here? Because I'm slightly worried but not overly concerned. See, the thing is, I would be worried if, again, a injury happens to a Danny Trevathan who has been prone to injuries throughout you know, his career. You have to plug in Nick Wachowski, obviously, at some point, they're going to get Roquan Smith in there playing uh, inside linebacker. But John Timo d- does know this defense. He didn't have a really good game uh, last night to add. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring 
then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. To the things that he didn't do, there was a play uh, Brandon was talking about. Isaiah Irving did jump off sides. The, he ends up causing a fumble. Um, the, the ball's right there to grab. John Timu's in pursuit. Nobody's near him. And even though the play wouldn't have counted, completely misses the ball. That's an opportunity for him. Hey, look, I, I create a turnover, can you know recover a fumble, even though it wouldn't have counted. Look, you're in the position to make it, and he still doesn't. So, John Timu, we, we've said it before, and even at training camp, we were ta- I don't know why we were talking about it, but the discussion was, what if Timu had all the athletic traits, was bigger, faster, stronger? He'd be a good linebacker. But he doesn't have those, so he has to he has to make do with what he has. And you know, last night he just looked a step slow in coverage, um, wasn't in the right spots. But he did have a, I think it was a a fumble that he caused right on the tackle, or so a little bit of a redemption there. But you want to see more out of Timu, who's shown plays you know in regular season games. But am I worried about it? A little bit, especially if uh, an injury does happen to a Danny Trevathan, who is going to be a leader on this defense. So that's that's what I would worry. All right, and B, how about you? Inside linebacker thoughts before we move on to the Bears' secondary. See, I think they're they're still pretty deep. Uh, they had John Anderson listed as an outside linebacker. There's a chance to try and get him on the squad because they knew how deep they were with Roquan, which we'll talk about another time if something doesn't happen here soon. Uh, Dan Trevathan, Kwiatkowski, and Timu, that's why they moved Anderson to the outside, but then he ends up playing inside last night uh, because they didn't play three of them. Uh, so even if they keep John Anderson... I mean, I'm not overly worried. Timu is smart enough that he's going to be able to command the huddle and call the plays. John Anderson has to go out there and execute, and he did. He led the team in tackles last night. He had 10. Uh, so that that speaks to me as far as how deep they are. I would rather not have John Anderson and John Timu out there playing if we can avoid that at absolutely all costs. Uh, but I think the, the the bottom half of this inside linebacker group is going to be going to be tough because it's going to be, you know, do you want John Timu, who's reliably smart, just lacks the athleticism to be able to pick up that fumble was a step late in coverage just on the one series he was able to bounce back I thought because uh, we didn't see any blunders from him after that John Anderson didn't even hardly recognize he was out there because uh, he was just out there making tackles no no big issues there uh, so I mean I think this is a, a solid group uh, I'm still more worried about the pass rush uh, compared to the inside guys if I'm going to make a comparison there Brandon's worried about the pass rush in a game in which the Bears had eight sacks and eight quarterback <laughs> hits. So there's that. But let's move on to the Bears' secondary. Of course, the Bears had two interceptions, one from DeAndre Houston Carson, the other from Doran Grant. Uh, I think between the two, um, maybe I'm slightly more excited about what I saw out of Carson. Uh, not only was the interception, there was a few times he made some really nice tackles. And when he's out there, he is not the biggest guy out there on the field. And to see him coming in, making some tackles, he was third on the team. He did have five, four of which were solo. Uh, he had the pass deflection on top of the interception as well. So for me, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson was a pleasant surprise. He's been out there playing with the twos a lot throughout training camp. He hasn't made a ton of plays in camp, but when he comes out here in a game situation uh, and stands out at least a few times throughout the game, that's encouraging for a guy who was, you know, a sixth-round pick. He's been working his way through practice squad, you know, biding his time, developing, learning the system. And he looked pretty, you know, confident out there with his responsibilities. So DeAndre Houston Carson, as Brandon put it, you know what, Brandon, you can say, you can say it. It's your saying, so you can do it. Yeah, I wish we had like a live broadcast during the game because I went, spoiler alert, DeAndre Houston Carson's going to get a turnover right here. And that's when he got his interception was after uh, Chase Daniel threw his first one. 
but yeah, th- I gave my MVBs to the second string safeties for a reason. Uh, seven combined tackles, the one interception from DHC. I thought uh, just that these safeties as a whole played very, very well. And that even includes the third stringers. DeAndre Hall, I thought, played a pretty good game as well. Uh, I mean, like you said, DHC, he's not the biggest guy out there, but he played more like a, a William than a Mary last night. There it is. That's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for. Uh, Nick, over to you. Any thoughts about the Bears secondary that you want to go? Any players that maybe we haven't mentioned that you want to discuss? Uh, I know, of course, we saw out there Jonathan Mincy, a little bit more of, uh, what's his name, Michael Joseph as well. Anyone stand out for good or bad there? Well, I'll just talk about the group as a whole. At, at one point in the game, I think I asked you guys, has these uh, Ravens quarterbacks completed a pass to the wide receivers at any point? And I don't think they did. And, we, you know, we've seen that in practice where these DBs are just dominating, you know, the Bears wide receivers are able to cover them. And that's, you know, from, you know, the first stringers all the way to third stringers. So, you know, this secondary unit is a very cohesive unit and just plays off play well off of each other very um you know, has that great chemistry. But, yeah, uh, we saw Craven LeBlanc there. You didn't see any of these guys get beat on coverage-wise. Um, they sticked with their man. So, yeah, they played really well last night. And, I mean, it's nothing new because, like I said, we've seen it in training camp where these DBs are just able to stick onto their guys. And, again, Marcus Cooper's also in there, even though, he, you know, he's in there for a reason. But he was able to do, you know, fairly well against second and third stringers, probably what he's best to. But, Again, yeah, the DBs did play well last night. Yeah, they did. And you talked about it. Like, what did the Ravens wide receivers do? Because uh, the player who had the most receiving yards, which was 23, all came on one catch, was Gus Edwards. He's a running back. Uh, the guy who had the most receptions, three, uh, only 14 yards. Uh, Hayden Hurst, he's a tight end. Uh, Rashard Perriman, I'm looking here, he did have two catches for 19 yards, but. Other than that, I mean, nobody else had multiple catches. Well, Tim White did. So he had three guys who were able to get multiple catches, and the most damage anyone did was 20 yards total. So that kind of shows you, if even though they were allowing a few catches, I mean, they're getting wrapped up rather quickly, uh, not able to bust any big gains. And other than that, when you're looking at the box score, you see one catch 14, one catch giving up someone else for 12, another for 10, 8, 6, 5. One of them, one of them, one and one. So again, uh, the Bears' defense in terms of their coverage was really strong last night, and I think that's the reason why the Baltimore Ravens, as a unit, uh, only had a pass rating of sixty-eight point one. Uh, they did have the two touchdowns, but again, we talked about that earlier. A lot of short fields, uh, only averaging four point seven yards per completion, uh, eighty-one yards, seventeen to twenty-seven. So again, the Bears' defense took care of business, especially their secondary unit. All right, guys, any final thoughts about the Bears' defense before we head into our quick hit on special teams and wrap things up? Nick, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah, so defense, uh, we expect them to look good, and they did. They had some, you know, short fields to work with and did the best they could, and you only expect them to get better when they actually have their stars in there. When I want to see some Leonard Floyd out there getting after the quarterback. But, yeah, the defense, these backups, um, they showed throughout training camp that they can run and you know compete with the ones for the Bears. And, you know they did that with uh, this Ravens team, the second, third string unit. So the defense looked really well. I think my biggest takeaway: two things: pass rush. 
was a little bit more on display last night than most would anticipate. So maybe keep an eye on it throughout preseason, see if it's a trend that can continue, or maybe it's like a one-hit wonder and things kind of tail off. Hopefully it's the first one, not the second one. And, of course, my final one is just going to be that this defense, uh, we talked about at camp, the depth is there across the board. Even though we're kind of nitpicking maybe at inside linebacker, still a little concerned about the pass rush as a whole. Defensive line and the secondary, I think, are extremely deep, and that's just going to really make – things better for this season because no matter who they keep on this roster, you're going to have a lot of talent from the top down, which of course is going to benefit this team in the long run. But B, over to you. Final thoughts on defense. Yeah, just a a personal internal conflict that I have is, you know, when Rashad Perriman drops that that pass and hits Michael Joseph in the hands and DHC picks it off, I kind of wanted Michael Joseph to pick it off too because he's my dark horse make team, so that would have been kind of cool, but I'll I'll take DHC with the interception there, obviously. Uh, But coverage looks really really strong i that's sh- i expect that trend to continue throughout the rest of the preseason and the regular season and it's going to have to because i i still personally have concerns about the pass rush uh these were second and third stringers going out there and i think we're going to see Kylie fitz and isaiah irving out there against the ones uh come regular season time they'll get in the rotation i think uh so how can they perform against higher competition they were able to go out there and have a pretty good standing against some of the the middle depth chart guys uh, they need to continue to get out there and get reps, and I need to be able to see them show that solid improvement like we've seen today uh, against the ones coming to the end of preseason. All right, guys, let's go over to special teams. And, you know, usually we do quick hits, and in preseason, I think that's definitely fair to not discuss this in full. Um, so I'm going to hand it to both of you guys first before I hand out mine. You can take this anywhere you want. You can talk about parkey, you can talk about the punting battle, you can talk about the new kickoff rules, what you saw out of that. So, again, Anything you want. I don't know why I gave you three choices, so I apologize in advance. So, honestly, whatever you want to talk about special teams, the floor is yours. I'm going to go to Nick here first. Yeah, so something that I noticed out there that I haven't seen in a while is that on special teams, the Bears uh, last night put two people on the Gunners. And I was talking about that. I thought the Bears had a lot of success when they did that, when Hester was back there returning, because usually those Gunners are the first guys down the field. So now you have two guys blocking them. And I was just watching and see how that worked. Those Gunners weren't really there. Who uh, It was Ayers who was primarily the punt returner. He had time to do things. Obviously, maybe the coverage wasn't uh, very well. There weren't lanes, but... Those gunners didn't get to him, and I like seeing that because, again, uh, just reminiscent of the old Devin Hester days, that's exactly what they would do. Put two people on the gunners, give him some time to work, and you know, one move and he's gone. So we'll probably see Tariq Cohen, obviously, in that role. But, yeah, I liked uh, just seeing the two guys on the gunners. Don't knock what we did in the return game yesterday. I, maybe it's our vantage point, and, of course, most of the returns were far away from us, not really in front of our face. Um, but he did have an average of 12.5 on six returns last night, 75 total punt return yards Ayers had, a long of 17, so it's not even entirely skewed. So, yeah, he averaged, if you take that one, that 17 one, maybe out, still around 10 yards per return, which, hey, I'll take that. That's more fuel position than just calling a fair catch. So good call there with the double gunners. And I just want to say welcome back, Chris Tabor. I mean, that's a great touch to have. And, of course, it was working last night, and it's still just basic installs. You're not going to show exactly how you're going to go down there and cover punts. But for going out there, averaging 12.5 yards per punt return, not too shabby. All right, B, over to you. What's your special team takeaway? And one of the themes we had throughout the night was DeMarcus Ayers with Ayers. Uh, had no errors in the punt return game, which was nice to see. So maybe he earns a spot there. Uh, no errors on kick returns, either DeMarcus Ayers or legitimate errors from either Taquamasel or uh, Mr. Johnson there uh, returning kicks. Uh, the kickoff rules were kind of interesting. Uh, I'm not really sure what to think about it. I guess I need to see more of it to fully grasp what's happening. Uh, but the 
the not getting a head start on the running uh, is different. I think that allows a little more time to come out of the end zone, at least kind of from what I could gauge anyway. I, I don't know if you guys thought the same thing, but I thought that was a little different. Yeah, for me, I think the one that I got, take away from the kickoff rules is the no contact zone still because uh, you know a lot of players are setting up their blocks now around the 25 to 30 and not a lot of contact until you get to that point in the field, which of course is extremely different than we saw in years past, but... I think the end result last night wasn't entirely different than compared to like you know previous years' kickoff. So, again, this has only been one game, not a lot of sample size, but it didn't seem like it changed things too much in terms of the end result. Uh, so we'll see how that kind of transpires as the preseason goes on because I think this is something worth watching, uh, just like the helmet rule. And I'll finish my special teams takeaway with uh, the punting battle. Uh, we didn't get to see a lot of Ryan Winslow, primarily because of, of course, turnovers and the Bears needing to go for it in certain situations later on in the game. He only had one punt, but he did have 50 yards. But Pat O'Donnell, he did have four in the first half. Uh, he did average 57 yards per punt last night. Uh, he had one touchback, one ended up inside the 20. Uh, but I want to mention that that touchback he had, that was right in front of us, guys, and it was about a yard in the end zone. So it was close to you know bouncing right before it and just kind of stopping right there. So it was either going to be a touchback, or down to like the two to three, and of course, it was on the wrong end. But it was a very good effort there. Uh, it wasn't like he sailed it through the end zone. So for me, O'Donnell, Mr. Mega Punt, uh, I'm hoping that this position battle kind of you know gets the most out of him. He's only on another one year deal, so I think he's really trying to prove himself. You know, averaging 57 yards a boot uh, is a good way to do so. Uh, I I will have to say a disclaimer. I'm pretty sure the wind was at his back most of the time as well, if I remember correctly last night. But, uh, yeah, uh, the punting battle is on. Um, hopefully we see more Ryan Winslow so we can get a more fair estimate between the four punts of O'Donnell and the one for Winslow. All right, guys, one final thing that we need to do before we sign off, and that's our two-minute warning, our first one of 2018 it feels nice to say that it's the two-minute warning. It's been quite a long time. And, B, I'm going to go to you first for your two-minute warning. It don't take too much out of this game. Uh, first preseason, we get an extra one, per se, um, with this Hall of Fame game here. Uh, offense, I mean, they, they didn't show a whole lot, which I was I was happy about. Don't want to don't give away the whole playbook uh, in the first week of the preseason. And I don't think we'll – I think that trend's going to continue. I don't think that Matt Nagy's going to show too much. Uh, throughout the the preseason as we go along here, but I'm going to be interested to see what changes as far as how he handles things on the sideline. Uh, something he talked about in his press conference last night was the communication was good, uh, this and that were were good. Uh, I just want to know if what adjustments he's going to make. Uh, I didn't really get to see him much on the sideline. I didn't know, you know, was he an active coach? Was he emotional? I didn't didn't quite get to pay attention because his back was to us. Uh, but I'm interested to see that once we reach a, a broadcast point. Uh, where we can watch the game on TV. I'll be interested to see what kind of coach he is on the sidelines because we didn't get to see it quite so much. Uh, I'm just going to be interested to know how he continues to adjust and, and learn because this is not only an experience, uh, a learning experience for all the players, uh, but for him as well and along with the coaching staff. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see uh, how he continues to learn, how he continues to adjust his coaching style throughout the rest of the preseason get ready for the regular season. All right, Nick, you're up. Two-minute warning. You know, despite this being the Hall of Fame game and not seeing a majority of the starters, it was great that football was back. We got to see the Bears finally playing a game. Didn't mean anything, but it was great to see. Um, I just want to continue to see these young guys who showed some things like Kylie Fitz, Isaiah Irving. Uh, 
just go out and show throughout the preseason, earn that playing time throughout the regular season because this is the time for these younger guys to really take the most out of each opportunity just so they can solidify their spot on the roster or anything like that. But it was great to have football back. Uh, the you know the emotions there were were great just because Brian Erlacher and this you know entire weekend. That's why we're here, Brian Erlacher. So it was great to have it. And you know, second preseason game, we'll see more of those stars. Will be uh, I think a little bit more competitive. We'll see more of that offense. Uh, hopefully, you know, obviously guys like Keem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, those kind of guys. So it was great to have football back. But expect more to come, especially next week against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to take this entirely different here. I think we talked enough preseason football. I want to talk about our day. Number one, it was great driving all the way from you know, the Chicagoland area all the way to Canton yesterday. Had a great lunch, had a great time at the game. But before the game, we got to meet a few fans. We met uh, Matt, Matt Z, Matt Zenobia. I think that's how you would pronounce that name. So, Matt, I apologize if I butchered it. You're a listener of the show, so you know I don't get paid to pronounce names. Um, on top of that, when we were talking to you when we first met, a little fan came up from uh, – he watches on YouTube. His name's Joey. Uh, so, Joey, I want to thank you for reaching out to us. It was awesome that you uh, wanted your picture taken with us three normal Bears fans. So that meant a lot for us. And then, of course, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan and his dad. We got to talk to them outside the Hall of Fame for a while. Actually ended up that the line to get into the game met us, and somehow we got absorbed into the line, which was pretty cool. But, no, we talked to you know Matt and John for about an hour, hour and a half, and it was great getting to meet some fans of the show. You know, we got to do so at camp, uh, but doing so in Canton. I mean, it's just it's pretty cool. Just you know, driving six hours and you meet people who don't even live in the Chicagoland area and they know you because of this show. So it's, it was awesome to catch up with you. Great stories from both Jonathan and well his dad. Uh, those were pretty interesting. But uh, looking forward to the next time we get to see you. Uh, hopefully it's this Saturday at the Entrimate. But uh, appreciate everyone who took the time to reach out. And lastly, I want to mention that those weren't like the only good conversations that we had yesterday. Uh, within a 10-minute span, we talked to George McCaskey for a little bit. And for those wondering about Roquan, uh, I'll just let you know. He said, quote-unquote, you know, there's no need to worry. Uh, he'll be fine. So uh, from Mr. McCaskey's mouth to God's ears, Roquan will be fine here in Chicago. Uh, who else did we talk to? We talked to Zach Miller a little bit. He's doing good. He's in good spirits. He said that, you know, after training camp, he should be good, good to go on the podcast. We're about... 10 months overdue there, so hopefully that comes to fruition. And we had another one, but it's escaping me. Who was it? Well, we had Nick and Noah later. Nick and Noah. We met uh, Yeah, two more fans have through the game, uh, Nick and Noah. Uh, they were sitting behind us. They actually moved seats, so it's kind of ironic that we got to meet them. And, of course, we talked to Trubisky's dad as well last night. So, I mean, a lot of meeting of people yesterday, a lot of great conversations. Of course, uh, when you're surrounded by fellow Bears fans, it's always a great time. But, no, it was really neat within – 30 minutes to talk to Trubisky's dad, George McCaskey, and, of course, Zach Miller. So that was a really cool uh, short period of time. And then, of course, meeting all the fans, uh, Nick, uh, Noah, Joey, Jonathan, and Matt last night, and Jonathan's dad. So I appreciate you guys taking the time and, you know, all the kind words you have to say about this podcast. You know, it really means a lot to all of us when we started this podcast a few years ago. Never would have imagined that anything like that would have happened. So thank you guys all very much. I think I went over my time for that two-minute warning, but that's okay. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and our first postgame show of the season comes to a close. Again, the Bears lost 16-17, to but the score doesn't matter. The end result doesn't matter. What matters is we got to see a lot of depth from this Bears on both sides of the ball. Offense a little bit more shaky. Defense definitely looks like it has uh, quality depth behind the starters. But this is it. We're going to see hopefully some more of those starters next week against the Bengals. And, of course, we'll talk to you before then. But before we do, 
we need to go talk to Mr. Brian Urlacher. No, I wish we could talk to him. But we're going to go see him down in the enshrinement on Saturday, watch him get inducted, watch, listen to his speech. So we're excited for that. So we'll be down in Canton for a few days. But afterwards, we're actually going to be driving overnight from Canton all the way back to Bourbon A to give you another camp report on Sunday. So we're not slowing down here. But we'll talk to you soon. And until then, bear down, Chicago. <laughs> How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.